Blog Talk Radio. You've just connected with Parkinson's Recovery. This is Robert Rogers. My guest today is Richard London. Richard is quite an amazing individual. He is an author, an author of A Handbook for Life, A Practical Guide to Success and Happiness. Rich is a motivational speaker. He is an entrepreneur. He is a person with Parkinson's and a cancer survivor. Richard, as if all that's not enough, also has his commercial pilot's license, is a third-degree black belt, and has practiced and taught martial arts for over 20 four years. At 19, he was in an automobile accident that put him in and out of hospitals for a number of months. And two years after his cancer surgery, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Richard, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Hello, Robert, and thank you for having me. So tell us about yourself. Well, um, I currently live in uh, the Charlotte, North Carolina area from the Philadelphia area, uh, married, have uh, uh, two kids in college, um, background um, uh, basically in the computer field for over 30-some years. That's the, uh, that's the the normal bio type stuff. Um, and you just mentioned a little bit about some of the uh, uh, you know, challenges that I've had, the physical challenges with uh, um learning how to deal with Parkinson's and uh, overcoming cancer and uh, the nine surgeries from uh, my automobile accident. And, and uh, despite that, really, I just kind of enjoy life. Um, a pilot, martial artist, um, enjoy everything I can do. And one day, um, you know, was was just sitting and reevaluating myself and why is it, asking myself, why is it that I'm able to uh, go through this stuff and still have positive attitude and other people sometimes just can't find the direction and decided that I wanted to um, start sharing some concepts and trying to help some other people. At 19, to have such a horrendous event occur in your life must have been mind-boggling. So this accident was an automobile accident. Uh, yes, I was on a, I was on a, a, a my motorcycle going over, going to my girlfriend's house, and the car came up the other way without signaling, uh, put me in and out of hospitals for ten months. Uh, at, at that point in time, actually, my major in college was law enforcement. I wanted to be a special agent for the FBI, but uh, as a result of the accident, I didn't know if I would ever walk right again, and that's uh, when I changed my major to computers. But the accidents and all of the medical attention you were able to get uh, was able to allow you to recover from the serious injuries that you incurred. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, I was. I was you know, very fortunate. Um, uh, I was able to basically uh, through therapy um, you know, get back to a, a normal uh, physical life, um, and at, by that point in time, I had already changed my uh, major to uh, computer science, and so I followed through with that and got a, a bachelor's in uh, computers, wound up actually founding over the last 30-some uh, years uh, three different computer companies. Um, and 
and uh, staying active, just finding that it was important for me to uh, stay physically active and stay physically fit. I got involved in martial arts. And how long ago was that? I've been involved in martial arts for about 24-some years now. I have my uh, third-degree black belt uh, in uh, Taekwondo, um, first degree in Kempo, and uh, currently am training for my first degree in Jiu-Jitsu. And it's interesting um, because the reason for me staying active in Jiu-Jitsu right now, besides the fact that I love the martial arts, is I find it's extremely good therapy for the Parkinson's. You notice a relief of symptoms then after you do your workouts? It, absolutely. The, the jiu-jitsu is a lot of uh, hand techniques, a lot of um, uh, weapons uh, takeaways, and you're doing a lot of fine motor skills with your hands. And I walk out of a 45-minute or, or an hour jiu-jitsu class and feel like I've just had an hour's worth of occupational therapy. And actually, I'll, I'll go into a class with, after the day you know, walk in, from a, from a tough day where I just feel very drained and I walk out of it uh, sometimes even forgetting I have Parkinson's disease. That's amazing. And then how long does the positive effect of that 45-minute workout hold for you? Is it the rest of the day and a couple of days later, the whole week, or how does that work well, out? Well, I, I, I think it's probably for, uh, for a day to a, a day and a half um, that it um, that it's helpful. I notice I work out in the, the gym. I go out three mornings a week, uh, Monday, fr- Monday, Wednesday, Fridays in the gym, and uh, work out first thing in the morning. And on Wednesday mornings after a Tuesday night jujitsu class, I find that I'm much more um, have much more coordination. Then on the other two mornings when I go, and the only thing that I can attribute it to is uh, the jiu-jitsu the night before. Wow, that's amazing. Now, do you put on special martial arts clothes when you go to classes? I wear a typical uh, karate uniform, a typical uh, uh, karate gi. Now, you're also a teacher. You've done this for quite a while, so you're also a teacher, are you not? I've taught um, martial arts for a number of years. Um, I've had, um, was a uh, chief instructor at a uh, local school. I've had some black belt students under me, or some students under me who earned their black belts, and uh, then some private students. Currently, I do not teach at a school um, with the exception of just helping out at the school that I'm training at now in jiu-jitsu. So you've done this for a while, and consistently you see that it has an incredible positive impact on getting relief from the symptoms that you're currently experiencing. What i found absolutely is the more active I am physically and mentally, uh, the more controlled my Parkinson's symptoms are. Um, so my advice to anybody uh, in part that has uh, Parkinson's or I would assume any other type of neurologic disease is to stay as active as you possibly can. Find something. It doesn't have to be something as 
as uh, demanding or strenuous as uh, martial arts. I mean, it could be could be gardening, it could be um, walking, it could be anything, but just keeping your body up and moving, I found, keeps everything flowing. What are the particular symptoms currently that are problematic for you? For me, it's uh, primarily a, a hand tremor um, and uh, the uh, rigidity of uh, the muscles. Currently under uh, medication, I find that it is treated rather well as long as I can get enough rest, eat properly, uh, stay on my medicine um, on uh, uh, proper intervals. When I was first diagnosed, and I was first diagnosed in 2005, and that's an interesting story because uh, I went to my regular doctor, and uh, he noticed some muscle rigidity and slowness in my gait. Uh, he sent me to a neurologist. Uh, the neurologist responded by putting me on uh, carbidopa and levodopa, and I almost immediately I saw uh, positive results. Uh, within a few weeks of being on the medication, um, I just, you know, everything seemed to get better. And once it was cleared up, I realized the symptoms I really had um, prior to the medication. I had uh, a number of balance problems, um, drooling. Uh, I had a, a Parkinson's mask, uh, some speech problems. And in retrospect, I can tell you they you know, had gotten worse and probably had symptoms seven to ten years prior to diagnosis. All of this then rather creeped up on you. It wasn't as if it was evident to you what was going on. I really didn't see it. Um, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, um, looking back in videos of myself, because I have videos of different martial arts tests, karate tests, etc., in retrospect, I understood why I was so slow or why I felt unbalanced or, or why I had to work harder than I thought I needed to. Um, I think part of the reason why it was hard for the doctor to diagnose this and part of the reason why I didn't really understand or think of it that much was since my early 20s, I actually had a, a benign uh, um, tremor, benign familial tremors in my hand and I was under a beta blocker for that and just thought that that was getting worse, didn't realize that it was affecting other parts of my body also. And that was in some sense connected with the accident then, the benign No, uh, I don't think so. Um, and the reason why I say this is because my father um, has the same thing and has had it since his uh, uh, years in his uh, uh, early 20s, late teens. Um, but his never progressed into anything else, so I don't think the two of them are related. Now, you mentioned the one medication you take. Is that all you're currently taking, or are there other medications that are helpful? Uh, currently, uh, the, the carbidopa and levodopa is the only medication that I take. Uh, I'm taking uh, uh, 25, 100 uh, milligram uh, tablets. I take two and a half in the morning and then two uh, in the afternoon and two in the evening, and I find I need the extra half a pill in the morning because I guess overnight with letting it get out of my system, I need that little bit extra. Otherwise, I can't make it to my lunchtime uh, dosage without um, some issues. The oh, it's clear that you... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was going to say the, uh, the only other thing is on the advice of my neurologist, I am taking um, uh, 400 uh, units of um, uh, uh, coenzyme CQ10 three times a day. Um, again, because uh, at this point, at least from to my knowledge, that's the only medication, or it's not a medication, it's a supplement, but the only thing that has been shown to you know, possibly be um, neuroprotective and be able to um, uh, reduce the um, actual disease rather than just mask, you know, the symptoms or put the symptoms at rest. So I'm taking CQ10. Um, but other than that, um, at this point, that's all. If you'd like to be able to ask Rich any questions, you can call our toll-free number if you live in the United States, and that number is 877-590-0733. If you live in other countries, I've just discovered that you can actually connect through us and talk with him if you go through Skype, S-K-Y-P-E. If you don't know about Skype, it's a good thing to uh, become acquainted with. Apparently, you can connect from pretty much any country in the world to uh, the Parkinson's Recovery Radio uh, Network show page if you go through Skype. And uh, there are some, uh, as I understand it, some membership uh, programs that cost as little as $3 a month that allow you to call literally anybody in the United States uh, from any country whatsoever. So if you'd like to be able to call in and talk with Rich, you can simply go through Skype, and you can do that uh, not only, of course, uh, calling us, but anybody that might be in the United States. You've mentioned, uh, obviously, the uh, the physical activity that's made a huge difference in terms of providing you with sustained relief from the symptoms that you're currently experiencing. Are there other approaches or therapies that you also make it a point to uh, pursue that are also making a big difference for you? Robert, I think that, I think the biggest thing uh, for me uh, is... Uh, maintaining a, uh, a positive attitude and just not letting my situations in life uh, control me, that my feeling is that you know, I'm going to control my situations. I'm not going to let them control me. Um, and some people may you know, poo-poo positive attitude, et cetera, but you know, if you can't carry a positive attitude and enjoy yourself wherever you go, regardless of what's going on around you, you're my opinion, setting yourself up for uh, what can be a pretty, you know, pretty upsetting life because there's a lot of bad stuff that happens. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't know. Are you familiar with um, uh, Professor Randy Pausch, who is a professor at Carnegie Mellon University? No, I'm not. Uh, professor Pausch um, had terminal pancreatic cancer, and. You may have heard uh, through the news or whatever something called the last lecture, and he uh, gave what he called a, a, the last lecture, which was basically his his life secrets, uh, secrets to to dealing with things, uh, secrets about um, life that he wanted to pass on to his children, to his to his wife, and basically to to us, to the world. And um, if you have a chance, and any of your listeners have a chance. Um, Google uh, Randy Pouch, P-A-U-S-C-H, last lecture, and there's a number of places online you can actually listen to um, his lecture. But one of the things he said, and there were a lot of really great nuggets in it, was um, that we can't 
change the cards we are dealt, just how we play the hand. And when I um, do my, my lectures and my talks, I, I talk about the fact, you know, we all at one point or another wish that we could change the you know, cards that we were dealt in our lives. But, you know, that's not available to us. All we can do is determine how we're going to um, react to them and uh, deal with them. It must have been incredibly difficult frustrating, challenging, and depressing to be 19 years old and see all of your other friends bumping about, having a good time, getting on with their lives, and you're in a hospital for 10 months. How in the world did you uh, maintain any kind of positive attitude whatsoever in that particular context, to be so young and in such adverse situation? Well, let me let me just correct something slightly. I was in and out of hospitals for 10 months. I was not, thank God, was not having, having to be in for 10 months. But I was in for uh, for three weeks and then out and then back in for surgery and then out and back in over a 10-month period. But uh, at, the reality of it is my left foot did not touch the ground uh, for 10 months because that's how long it took until the, the final surgery when I was able to actually um, put my foot on the ground without uh, being in a, a cast or whatever. But to me, yes, initially um, it was, you know, very, uh, you know, it was it was upsetting. I, I actually, quite frankly, the night I had the accident, thought I was going to lose my leg. Um, but I didn't, you know, what choice did I have? And to my mind, and I guess this is part of the, the thought process that has helped me throughout my entire life is don't look at, you know, the obstacle. Don't look at the challenge in front of you. Look at where you want to be, what you can do about it, and how you can uh, react to it. And that's been, I guess, the, the byword for you know, everything I've done for anything that I've had to face. You've had an incredible uh, career with computers. 30 years really is a span of time where computers are really just getting cooking, so to speak, and, of course, now they are uh, very advanced. Uh, what was it like to be, I guess you were in three different companies over a large span of time where uh, the computer industry changed uh, year by year. What was that experience like? Well, when I, uh, when I first got out of college, I was working for a company um, as a programmer of uh, many computers. Many computers don't even exist anymore. Um, this is before the advent of PCs, and without your listeners being able to see my gray hair, they can figure out I probably do have gray hair, uh, based on that statement. Um, that was that was a, a tremendous learning experience. I was with a small company um, programming um, uh, computer accounting systems for small businesses, and that was when that was when a computer, a small computer for a company, cost ten thousand dollars was about the least amount it could be. Uh, and then very shortly thereafterwards, uh, you know, small you know, networks came into play, and then PCs, et cetera. As a matter of fact, it's funny. I actually physically said to somebody, um, and this was about the uh, early 80s, late 70s, I actually physically said to somebody, you know, I don't invest in the stock market, but if I did, uh, I would put money in this little company called Microsoft. <laughs> and uh obviously that would have been a, that would have been a good thing to do but um i remember when 
you know, a $2,000 PC had uh, a two 360-kilobyte floppy drives in it and, uh, 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 you know, like 60K of memory, 100K of memory, 128K of memory, and, and we thought that, that was the most awesome thing in the world. So, yeah, it's it's been tremendous. And just from a technology standpoint, um, technology is expanding faster now than it ever has been. Um, I, I actually had a conversation with a, uh, a friend of mine today. Just He was talking about uh, a movie. He was watching a movie when Harry Met Sally and You've Got Mail and you know, that era, you know, movies from the, uh, from the early 90s. And you just look at those movies and realize the technology that is so different because they don't have cell phones. Um, they, there was no such thing as, as texting. Um, they had modems. There was no broadband Internet. And it's just the whole, it's just changed and will continue to change the whole face of our society. I want to ask you to talk some about your seminars that you offer that have been such a huge success. And as an introduction to this, I'd like to uh, read a testimonial that people can also see when they visit your website, handbookforlife.com. This particular testimonial comes from Miriam Pizarro, who's president and CEO of the Parkinson's Place in Miami, Florida. And here's what they say. I had the pleasure of listening to Mr. London at a conference for young onset Parkinson's disease. He was one of the most motivational speakers I have ever heard speak at a conference, and I have been to many. He involved the entire group with his amazing stories and his great humor. The finale is something you don't expect and will be blown away by. If you are looking for a speaker that will leave an impact and people will walk away talking about for a long time, Richard London is the speaker you are looking for. So, Richard, tell us about your seminars. Uh, thank you. I will. Uh, I conduct half-day seminars uh, for people to help uh, them set and achieve goals in their lives, overcome obstacles, uh, basically build a, a, a mindset that helps them deal with uh, the stuff that goes on. Um, and in, in addition to that, I also do uh, uh, keynote speech, uh, speeches, uh, etc. Um, I was that, that particular presentation uh, where Miriam Pizarro was was actually just this past October down in Atlanta for the Southeastern um, Parkinson's Disease Conference and the National uh, Young Onset uh, Disease Conference. And I had an opportunity to do a 45-minute presentation there. And what I really enjoy, uh, Robert, is I really enjoy sharing with other people and helping them um, just develop the, the attitude and, and see that they have the ability to do things for themselves and to really make some progress with their lives. When I do the half-day seminars, the seminars actually are uh, divided into, um, number one is the understanding the, the positive mindset, understanding, and when I say positive mindset, I'm not talking about just a, a trite, well, you know, smile, be happy, and life is, is wonderful, because 
for a lot of people, it's not. And I, for I, actually most of us, I would say, we realize that there are challenges out there. And the reality of it is, in my opinion, you have to expect the challenges. You have to expect the obstacles because they're going to be there. And then just decide how you're going to deal with it and get past it. What I also do is take people through the processes of how to actually set goals in their lives. What is it that they want to do, they would, they would like to do uh, to make themselves uh, more fulfilled in either personal or professional lives. And uh, then finally, I get into and address the issue of uh, interfacing and dealing with other people because I think interpersonal relationships are so vitally important. There is nothing that we can do in life, um, either personally or professionally, that doesn't involve contacting somebody else. What an eloquent design for a seminar. If then a person attends the seminar, would they come out of there with some listing or sense of the goals that they need to pursue? When I conduct the seminars, actually, I um, present a a workbook to them, and they also get a copy of my book, uh, A Handbook for Life, which is the book itself is filled with exercises at the end of the chapters. Um, But there's a whole blueprint there for how to make changes and set the goals and accomplish what people are looking to accomplish in life. Um, The reason that I wrote the book, going back a little bit, and I, you know, we went through a little bit of some of the challenges that I had been through, et cetera, and over the years, over the course of my life, I've had the uh, opportunity to read a good number of um, self-help books, material, um, attend seminars, CD courses, DVD courses, et cetera, and there's a lot of really good stuff out there. Um, the problem is, in my opinion, that so much of it requires uh, more of a commitment of time and energy than, in my, you know, from what I've seen, most people either want to or are willing to provide. So I was thinking, well, how can we? I break this down, you know, because. Nobody, nobody this day and age really wants to put a lot of time into something. And I've seen people that go to you know five hundred dollars, six hundred dollar weekend courses, or you know buy um, uh, a DVD or, or or buy a whole book package, etc. And feel really great when they're done. And twenty four, forty eight hours later, go back to doing exactly what they did before. And the reason is, from what I can tell, because they just didn't want to make the change that was brought presented to them in the course because it was just it was too hard. I was asking too much of them. So what I do is I try to leave people from the seminar and leave people from my book with some very clear, easy to do, succinct um, uh, steps that they will be more inclined to step out and participate in because it is so easy. Oh, so in other words, not large changes so that I have to transform everything that I've always been, but rather maybe tinier steps or things that are easier for me to actually do? Uh, absolutely. And the reason is, just because just as I said, 
because most people, they want to change an area of their life. They want to be happier. They want to accomplish a specific goal, but are not willing to you know, make that you know, 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week for you know, the next six-month change to their habits. They just don't want to do it. So what I try to do is give them, show them some simple things that they can do uh, to build on, and by keep repeating those simple things, build it more and more into what they're looking to do. I, I think the uh, one way to say it is, um, you know, I the way I view it is my uh, book, my course, is um, not going to be the last course somebody's going to do who's going to take on a lifelong commitment or you know, do some you know major change in their life over the next three to five years, but it is designed to be the the kicker that they can do to instigate that initial change. And you know, change is a process. Change just you know doesn't happen. You don't just throw a switch. You make slow decisions on adjustments to your life. Um, Coach Vincent Williams who wrote. Um, how do I reach my true destiny, uh, says change is a process, but the decision to change happens in an instant. What I try to do is get people to see it's easy to make that decision to make that initial start, that initial change. And then once you make that initial change, then you're in the process of starting a habit and it's easier to continue. There are certainly individuals whose symptoms have been getting worse and worse and who are very discouraged. Do people who are struggling with their symptoms come to your seminars? I've seen, well, at this, this Atlanta, at this Atlanta convention, there are 260 uh, some people that are in all different levels of um stages with uh, Parkinson's, uh, people uh, come to the seminars uh, that, yes, are at uh, different stages for themselves. Uh, typically, what's going to wind up happening, and I think by definition, anybody who is out at any kind of um, seminar or event um, that is billed as a quote-unquote self-help seminar is there specifically because they want to affect some sort of positive change. So, that being said, anyone who has severe Parkinson's um, symptoms going on, that doesn't mean that they don't have the, the mindset that they want to make a change or make some things better. What I do, it's interesting, what I do in the seminars is I start the seminar with a an evaluation form and let people evaluate basically the, the satisfaction that they have in their lives, the, where they think they are with things, how they think they re- relate to people, how, when they get frustrated, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then after, you know, the half-day seminar, the four-day seminar, at the end, they fill out the same questionnaire, not knowing that they were going to be doing it in the beginning, filling it out again at the end. And, you know, virtually everyone to a, to a person, when they fill out the seminar, this the questionnaire again, has found that they're much more positive about their life. They're much more hopeful about what's going on. And the reality of it is 
They didn't take any different medication. They didn't do any different therapy. Um, all they did really was start getting into a new mindset. That's a, an eloquent, what we call pre-post research design, Richard. <laughs> That's quite wonderful. Now, your seminars then are four consecutive days? No, four hours. It's half a half a day. A half a day. Yes. For so, in other words, four hours for one day or four hours for four days? Uh, uh, four hours in one day. It's, uh, in one, one day. So it's, half, basic, it's, right, a, half, right. it's a half-a-day uh, uh, intensive, so to speak. Correct. Correct. And generally what we do is if it's in the morning, we will have um, you know, a continental breakfast, and then we'll have a, a snack break and um, be done by lunchtime. If it's in the evening, we'll have... Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the dessert for them and, and another break in the middle of it. and uh, it was, So we generally do it that way. So just to be clear then, as you're just contrasting what you do with others, uh, this commitment is not a uh, uh, two-week or ten-day, everyday kind of an intensive <laughs> where people are expected to make some huge transformation. It is rather to do an examination of your life and to identify some very clear and simple steps that can be taken that will make a huge difference. Well said. No matter what your obstacles and issues that are keeping you from happiness and success, Rich will help you enjoy your journey and achieve your goals in this particular seminar. Now, when's the next seminar going to be? Um, uh, currently, I'm in the process of putting together the uh, uh, calendar for 2011, and the best bet would be for people to uh, stay in touch through my website, which is www.a handbookforlife.com, and you do need the A, um, and they can uh, go on the contact page and uh, request to be put on a, a mailing list or just continue checking back and uh, seeing the calendar as it comes up. I do have I do have other engagements that are scheduled for 2011, but I've, right now nothing that's um, currently you know open to the public. There's different organizations that have uh, had me coming in to do some things for their companies. but To, uh, to do work uh, for, for specific groups. Tell everyone about your book, A Handbook for Life. Um, the, the book um, is actually uh, set up to be a guide to help people set goals, overcome obstacles. Um, I think that uh, people who read the book begin to adopt the mindset and habits that have you know, worked for me and helped keep me positive. Uh, it's interesting, when I uh, first wrote it and had a, I went and hired, hired a writing coach and had reviewed, and, and it, when I read the first draft, I went back and did a word processor, sort of did a word search and found out that I didn't anywhere in the book mention the word Parkinson's or cancer in the first draft of the book. And that kind of caught me by surprise, but then I stopped and I realized the reason for that is because in the, my mindset of dealing with life, 
those weren't the important things in my life. Those were the challenges I had to get around to do what I felt were the important things in my life or the things, the fun things that I wanted to do. Um, it's a short book. Anybody could, you could read the book uh, probably in, in one sitting, one evening if you wanted to, but um, that's not the way that um, you get the most usage out of it. Uh, like I said, at the end of each chapter, um, there are exercises, there's two exercises at the end of each chapter. There's ten chapters. Uh, the first exercise will take about 10, 15 minutes. If somebody's, again, if somebody's looking to make some positive changes and invest a little bit of time in themselves, not an uh, inordinate amount of time. That's, the whole purpose is to make it a, a handbook, not a hand novel. Um, that 10 minutes towards that, and then a follow-up exercise that I ask them to, over the next day or the next week, uh, follow through with uh, some behavior concept from that particular chapter. And I get very, very positive feedback from people that it just really has helped them make that initial switch over to getting themselves started with some other positive area of their life or or start doing some project that they put aside for the last several years or whatever it is that um, helps make them happier and more fulfilled. It helps people get unstuck, it sounds like, if they happen to be stuck. And that, I think, is, the, is one of the best ways of saying it because so many people, I mean, myself included at one time or another, and probably you at one time or another, have had things that, that you want to do, things you think that were you know, big goals or will make you happy or just look and say, well, I'm not happy with, this area of my life, whatever it is, whether it's professional, whether it's personal, whether it's physical and health-wise. Um, but there's always some sort of reason why it's not quite the time right now to go and do it, or here's this, you know, this reason why I can't do this now. And what I try to do is, is get people to understand that there is no perfect time. You know, to... You know, and I talk about this at my seminars too. And this is a good one. Robert, are, by the way, do you have children? Yes. Okay. I want you to think back. Um, how, how old are your, your children? Well, they're they're really four. Uh, see, Adrian is thirty-five. Jonathan is thirty. Uh, Nathan's twenty-four. Stefan's nineteen. All right. Think way back. Okay. Because I, I have to do the same thing. My, my daughter's 19, my son's 22. Um, think way back to when uh, you and uh, your wife were having the first conversations about um, do we want to start a family, do we want to have a child? And if your conversations were anything like the ones with myself and my wife, um, it seemed like there was always something, always a reason why, well, now that might not be the right time. You know, maybe... Maybe we need to wait till you know we get a I get a little bit better job, or maybe we need to wait until I get uh, we get some more money in the bank, or maybe we need to wait until we get you know a bigger car before we have kids. Um, so if anything, any of those um, uh, points are seems familiar to you, um, and you obviously made the decision and had you know 
not only one child but four, you realize that sometimes you just have to you know, make a decision and then make the decision right. You need to step out, make the change, get started, and then find a way to make it work. And that's well, your story really, really resonates. Your story really resonates with me, uh, uh, Rich, because um, in the case of uh, Adrian, uh, I was making just those arguments, and I was saying, no, now's not the time. I actually uh, had just completed my graduate program at Cornell, and I was not employed and was looking for work, and so my arguments were, no, I really, I'd rather have a job so we'll be able to have a stream of income to be able to take care of the child. Now's not a good time. And uh, she was saying, no, uh, I, I think now's the time. Well, as it turned out, she was already pregnant <laughs> when we were having that very heated discussion, as it turns out. So uh, my all my reasons didn't make a hill of a bit of difference, as it turns out. Well, then you understand. That's that's very good. That that's very good. So I, I think that that you know, that's a lot of what I'm about is taking away excuses. You know, people can come to me with all the excuses they want, and and without, I mean, not that I'm any better or any any different than anybody else. I mean, I think every human being is precious. I think every every human being is special. Um, but when people come to me and say, I can't do this because I can look them in the eye and say, okay, because why? You know, because of this physical thing. Well, I'll put you, put you up against any physical malady that I had and tell me, you know, why, you know, you have the excuse of not doing it when I did that and got my black belt, you know, because of it or got my black belt despite it or, you know, got my pilot's license despite it. Um, you know, or, you know, my wife and I were able to do whatever. So, I, I try to help show people that, you know, you can do what you want to do if you decide you want to do it. Sounds like great advice to me. There is a Parkinson's Recovery chat room, and during the show, people will sometimes uh, type in a comment or two. I happen to be looking at the chat room now, and one of the comments that was just uh, entered was, quote, the exercises are excellent and very self-revealing. So that's wonderful feedback for you, Richard, although you know that already, I'm sure. Uh, somebody that uh, uh, unsolicited has uh, basically given a testimonial to how helpful those exercises are in your book, A Handbook for Life. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, where, do um, people, where do people get the book? You can uh, get the book on my website, ahandbookforlife.com. Uh, the book is available through uh, any of the online booksellers, um, barnesandnoble.com. Amazon.com, although I don't know why, for some reason, if you uh, put in a search on barnesandnoble.com, a handbook for life, Richard London, it I, comes up on the first page. If you do the same thing with Amazon, nine pages into it, you still don't see it. So I have no idea why Amazon's search results are the way they are, but uh, the answer is I would recommend barnesandnoble.com or a handbookforlife.com. Which is your website. Right. Which, if, if they go to the website, they also can uh, see some, uh, some some videos of me actually uh, speaking, presenting. They can also read a little bit more of the, the background 
or myself and some more uh, description about what the seminars are all about. You also have a blog, Richard, that I saw when I visited the website. Tell people about the blog. The blog has been so, so wonderful for me, just personally being able to, to share some ideas, some thoughts, some concepts uh, to help people in different areas of of, uh, of their lives, and I I really haven't have enjoyed um, doing that. Just putting out some what I guess the best way to describe it is pearls of wisdom. Although you know, to me, they're, they're just things I want to say. Other people can say I'm wise. I can't say I'm wise. So I'll just say the, I, I get a chance to share my heart, um, and. Um, Quite often, uh, generally, whenever I put out a new blog topic, I also uh, put it out on my uh, my Facebook page, and generally get a lot of very good positive comments back um, through, uh, through the Facebook page uh, from different topics. I want to underscore that too. I was reading a number of your postings, and they are interesting, useful, and very meaningful. So if uh, listeners can go to your website, and again, that address is www.ahandbookforlife. So those four words are joinedtogether.com. You'll see uh, it's a it's a very manageable, uh, friendly website. You'll see a section in there where you can uh, enter into uh, Richard's blog and begin connecting with everything that he's writing, which are, which are all very current postings, by the way. So it's uh, quite fascinating and interesting information. The speaking of books and writing and articles, the Parkinson's Recovery November issue of the magazine is out and released. If you have signed up to receive the uh, newsletters, you would have received an email with an attachment of the PDF of the November issue of the Parkinson's Recovery magazine. If you haven't received it or read it yet, you can simply request uh, a, uh, a, a newsletter. In other words, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll be getting uh, regular issues every month of the magazine. It's a stunning issue, I want to say, and I've had a number of compliments. Uh, these are not articles that I've written. These are articles by individuals who've been on the radio show, as well as articles by uh, healthcare practitioners who have extensive experience working with individuals who happen to currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. So, Rich, would be happy to talk with you and give you some, I'm sure, tips and advice or consultations uh, if you're so disposed to uh, get some ideas of what you might do if you happen to be currently stuck in the moment, you can call our toll-free number, and that's 877-590-0733. The regular number, if you happen to live outside the United States, is 347-945-5358. And I'll see that you'd like to be able to uh, talk with him if you'll simply, after calling in, if you'll punch the number one, and that'll signal to me that you'd like to be able to have a conversation with him. I don't see anybody yet that's like uh, interested in uh, asking you questions, Richard, so I've got one for you. I think I need okay. a consultation. And the question goes something like this. I've had a number of emails and phone calls from individuals over just the last month 
that are from caregivers of individuals who are currently experiencing the symptoms of Parkinson's. They are, uh, the theme of these particular correspondence uh, from individuals are that they are truly struggling. They are uh, facing difficult times in helping their spouses, uh, you know, get through the day. Uh, they are getting worn down and frustrated. They are making lots of suggestions that uh, apparently are not being picked up or followed. So uh, they are really literally at their wits' end, and they write to me or call me and say, okay, uh, uh, nothing I've suggested seems to be of interest uh, to my husband or my wife. Um, I really don't know what to do. I'm, I'm totally frustrated, and uh, I need help. So what should be my reaction? What would be something I could say to a person in that situation that might help? I think, uh, I think Robert, first of all, that is probably one of the the, the biggest areas, whether it's with, with Parkinson's or any other type of um, uh, chronic debilitating disease that is very much overlooked is the care for the caregiver. And one of the things that I think would be the biggest help or can be the biggest help would be to find somebody to lean on, find a local uh, support group, find um, some other people you can talk to that are in the same situation that may either may be able to give some suggestions on how to handle a situation that they've gone through themselves, or if nothing else, to be able to let, uh, let the person know that they're not alone, that there's other people out there you know, fighting the same fight, struggling through the same things that they are, and um, you know, while you may seem, it may seem like you're out there all by yourself and that you know, your, your loved one doesn't appreciate what you're trying to do and what you're what you're going through, that at least there's somebody else out there that, that does understand and that you have somebody to lean on. And, and caregivers need, uh, need a break, too, from time to time, need a vacation, too, from time to time of some sort. Um, but I think the, the, the best thing, the most gen, the best general thing that I could say here on, uh, on the radio is um, find someone to lean on, find a uh, group or someone that you can talk with, um, maybe depending on where the person is, it, it's got to be a one-on-one -on -one personal therapist. Um, that's okay, too. Um, one of the things with support groups that I try to avoid, and I, you know, I, when I was diagnosed with my, with, uh, my cancer, at, um, prostate cancer, diagnosed in 2003, I'm now a seven-year cancer survivor. Um, I was, you know, very, very shocked by it and, you know, was trying to deal with it and put it into place mentally and went to a, a support group that I went to one time because I found that particular support group, the one that I was at, was turning into a depression session. And people were there so that they could do nothing but, but complain and, and be, oh, woe is me. If that's the kind of support group that somebody has around them, whether it's for the caregiver or for the Parkinson's patient themselves, my advice is get your tail out of there as quickly as you can. Um, but if there is a support group that actually does lend support, then I think that could be very helpful.
Is there a support group that you participate in? Uh, uh, yes, actually, in uh, here in uh, uh, the Charlotte area, Charlotte, North Carolina, there's a uh, we have a, a yoga support, which is a, a Parkinson's Young Onset Getting Out, and um, basically it is a combination of a Parkinson's support and education and uh, social getting out group. We, we try to stay as active as we can and do as many things as we can, and there's different people at different levels of uh, stages of the disease, but everybody uh, is is ambulatory. Not everybody necessarily is driving themselves to places, but uh, certainly when you're getting out and you're having a, a dinner out with a, a group of 15 or 20 of uh, what turns out to be people developing into close friends, you get outside of yourself mentally, and for at least that period of time, you're not thinking about you. You're just socializing and having a good time. So you're having fun, it sounds like. That's what the support group's all about, is basically having uh, enjoyable uh, activities. Absolutely. And, you know, and we, we do have, we do have you know, doctors and therapists that come in, and then we do talk about uh, different um, therapies, modalities, and, and drugs and clinical trials and everything else, but try to vary the events so that we'll you know, work that, and then the following month we might have a pizza party, or we might go out... Um, actually you know, uh, dancing or something as a group trying to do it together. So find something like that if it's available. Well, that sounds totally fun. Have you ever gone bowling? Um, I bowl about twice a year, and my bowling reflects the fact that I bowl about twice a year. <laughs> when I go out, I do it. I do enjoy myself. <laughs> it's a question of having fun, not trying to get the best score possible. Then it sounds like. Well, absolutely, and and you know, and that's an important thing too. Is um, well, why do people not get out and do something new? And typically, it's because they're afraid of what other people will think. So what? Who cares? I, you know, I would imagine uh virtually everyone with Parkinson's has uh lived a good portion of their lives and been around long enough that they can they've earned the right to say, I want to do this because I want to do this. I don't care what somebody else thinks if I don't do it exactly the way I would have done it twenty years ago. Are there any other ways that you create new neural networks, mind games, computer games since you've been in computers for thirty years or other kinds of uh, activities that for you are always uh, enabling you to keep yourself mentally active and alert? One of the things that uh, my family has gotten a hold of and it's almost almost addicted to it now is a, a game called Bananagrams. Are you familiar with it? No. Banana, P-A-N-A? No, banana. It's a combination. It's a kind of a cross between Scrabble and Yahtzee. It's a game with, with uh, it's a word game where everybody basically gets their own set of tiles and you make your own um, crossword in front of you uh, with the tiles you get and you keep picking your tiles, rearranging your words. It's fast paced. It's, it's, it's fun. It doesn't take a lot of, of you know, real serious kind of um, mental planning and energy but it's one that I find definitely keeps, helps keep my mind sharp and winds up 
because you have to move the tiles quickly because you're competing against the other people that are at the table. Um, helps with the, the, the manual dexterity also. Um, another thing that, that I do, and this isn't intellectual so much as it is just downright uh, relaxing and stress relieving, uh, and I was strongly, strongly, strongly recommend if you have not tried this, to try it, and everyone else out there that's hearing about it, is uh, something called laughter yoga. Have you heard of laughter yoga? Yes, I have. We've, I had some people on the show who actually are teachers of that. Well, I'm in the process of getting myself uh, trained to be a teacher in laughter yoga also. But uh, it, wonderful. It, it's, you know, think about it this way. La- laughter is contagious. You know, we all know uh, when we say, well, laughter is contagious. If you walk into a room and there's a bunch of people in the room laughing, what's the first thing that you do? Laugh. You, <laughs> That's what I do. You start laughing too. And the second thing you do is ask, what's so funny? So the act of laughter itself is actually contagious. And what it does is it, it just reduces your stress level. Now, with Parkinson's especially, you know, sometimes people worry when they hear the word yoga because they say, well, I, I can't do it physically, etc." It's not that kind of yoga. But there are a lot of there's there's you know, breathing exercises in it. Uh, it helps strengthen your diaphragm and it helps reduce stress in your life. And I strongly recommend it. And the way that I got started in it, actually, um, I had seen a book called Laugh for No Reason, and it was, it was written by a, uh, a doctor. It was actually an Indian doctor um, who, in 1995, was doing research about the health benefits of laughter and the health uh, effects of stress. And he was in Mumbai, in Mumbai, India, and decided he wanted to start a laughter club. So he did had people coming out and just laughing for no reason. Well, now there's about 5,000 clubs in 60 countries. So wherever you are, and so I, I, I put the book down. I didn't, even, I didn't even finish reading the book. Got on the Internet and Googled Laughter Club Charlotte, and that's how I found it. And I recommend anybody uh, do it whenever they can. And it, it doesn't cost anything. I, the group I go to, they ask for a donation, so I give them $5. Uh, twice a month when I go, and it's awesome. As I understand it, you don't have to tell a joke and then laugh. It really is a question of just uh, laughing and realizing what positive benefits that actually has for everyone involved. That's absolutely right. And until you, until you do it, you might not understand it, but go and do it. It's funny. Um, my wife and I took my 19-year-old daughter, or our 19-year-old daughter, um, she spent the first 10 minutes laughing at her parents and then the rest of the hour laughing with us. <laughs> That's great. That's the way it ought to work. Now, how uh, many uh, days or years do you have to spend becoming trained to be an instructor in laughter yoga? How, how extensive of a commitment is that? Uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, really you know, very easy. I mean, it's not like you're doing... You know, you're, you're teaching somebody how to do brain surgery. Um, <laughs> That's some, true. Some, some, you know, some basic concepts about you know, leading the group, what you're trying to accomplish, and some of the basic techniques. And I'm supposed to have my uh, first lesson in uh, in January, so I'm looking forward to it. And will that be in Charlotte, or will you have to go somewhere else for that? Uh, that'll be in Charlotte. 
Let's just imagine for a moment that one of the people who happens to be listening to the show was told by their doctor just last week that they have the symptoms of Parkinson's. What would you want to say to them now? First of all, I want to uh, let them understand that everybody's journey with Parkinson's is different. Um, not to look at Muhammad Ali and think that's the way that they're going to be six months from now, because it's not it's not going to be that way, and they you know, their their symptoms may never get to that point. Um, so start getting the information that you can, making sure that um, listening to your doctor. I'm I'm hoping that it's a first of all that's, that's a a neurologist that um, has experience with Parkinson's disease because if somebody is going to be treated for Parkinson's, my opinion, they need to be treated by someone who's trained in a specialist and not just a, uh, a general physician who, I, my opinion, from my experience, my knowledge, a general physician is not really truly, uh, I'm not going to say not qualified, but I'm going to say certainly, from my opinion, not the right person to give you a, di- a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. So uh, make sure that it's um, a neurologist, um, maybe a Parkinson's specialist, a movement specialist. Then listen to what they have to say and understand that there's you know, there are people around you know that are very very much still uh, functioning and active who've had Parkinson's for 20 years or more. So it's not you know it's not a, a, a sentence that you know, is going to end your life right now. And going back with the whole concept of the Handbook for Life and what Rich London's all about, you know, you have this journey to go on, make the most of it. Part of what you teach in your seminar is how to improve your interpersonal relationships. Do you have any tip that you'd like to give to people on how they can improve their interpersonal relationships? I think the, the, the one of the biggest ones is to allow yourself to understand that everybody as an individual has their own skill sets, their own uh, worth, something to, um, you know, give to somebody else. Um, and I've learned, uh, especially with Parkinson's disease, especially since I've gotten to know so many great, great people um, with Parkinson's, you can't judge a book by its cover. Uh, I think people have a tendency to judge others based on how they look, uh, how well they communicate, what they say, how they move. And Parkinson's disease can drastically affect um, you know how we present ourselves uh, externally to other people, um, and I've you know met an you know, awesome number of uh, doctors, lawyers, teachers, artists, musicians um, that have been very outgoing, constructive, <coughs> productive people their entire lives. Who now maybe if they're really advanced with Parkinson's disease. Um, can't talk as well or slur their words or shuffle with their walking or, you know, are walking or moving around like 
in a way that other people would think, well, that's a feeble person. It doesn't mean that their mind is. That's just the way that their body is presenting itself. So just how do you get along better with other people? Um, for me, it's realizing that um, everybody um, is an individual. Another offering in your seminar is you help people to crystallize their goals. Can you give one suggestion that will help people do just that? I think one of the well, yeah, I'll give a, I'll give a great suggestion. Uh, go to uh, the website, and I'm not saying just to push people to my website. But on the website, www.ahandbookforlife.com, click on the uh, uh, menu bar for exercises, and all of the exercises that are in my book are downloadable as PDFs. And there's, there's a, an ex, a, uh, one of the exercises there on setting and achieving goals and breaks it out in some steps that I think are um, very, very applicable to um, any goal in any area of your life that you might have. So it sounds like there's some golden information on your website. So people need to go there and be able to see it, download it, think about it, and use it. That website, again, is www. And I'm going to uh, say all the letters so it's very clear to everyone how they can actually land there. A, handbook, H-A-N-D-B-O-O-K, for, F-O-R, life, L-I-F-E, dot com. And once you're there, you'll see that there's a wealth of information, tips, resources, and support that is available to you now. And, of course, you can also uh, purchase uh, Rich's book, A Handbook for Life, uh, and also find out more information about the seminars that he actually offers. I don't see anybody who uh, has an uh, interest in calling in, although this is a golden opportunity to be able to connect uh, with uh, Rich London and find out uh, some good ideas of what you can do if you happen to be uh, currently stuck. So so what else do we need to be sure and talk about that we have not yet had an opportunity to discuss? Um, I, I, I think we've, uh, we've hit a lot of the, the key points that I think are, are helpful or the most helpful for people. What, what I've learned in my life is, from my perspective, I think life is, is precious. Uh, I try to cherish every minute of every day. And we've all heard this before, but it, I think it's very true, is that no matter how bad any of us have a particular situation, there's always someone out there who has it worse. And for us to be grateful and thankful for what we have, um, from the standpoint of, of goals and looking towards goals, um, I think Henry Ford... Uh, said it. Um, Henry Ford said that the obstacles uh, are those frightful things we see in our lives when we take our eyes off of our goals. So look towards the goal. What is it that you want? And figure out how to get there. Don't look at the obstacles in front of you. Obstacles are temporary. There's not there's not one thing that has come across my life that's been an obstacle in my life in the past that is still in front of it today. You know, now it might be as you know as has passed as recently as five minutes ago, but you know if if you think about and most people think about you know, what's 
the, the most embarrassing situation you ever had in your life when you thought that you, know, you just wanted to crawl under a rock and it was the worst thing in the world and you could never face another person again, well, chances are that situation is already passed and you've already gotten beyond it. So. Great advice. Richard Leonard, how can people get in touch with you? Um, my email address, if anyone um, would like to email me, I'll be more than happy to personally respond, is rlondon, like the city, L-O-N-D-O-N, at ahandbookforlife.com. And I will answer, answer all uh, emails personally. Richard London, I thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Your insights and your comments have been truly helpful to me personally, and I'm sure they've been helpful to thousands and thousands of others as well. Thank you so much, Robert. I've enjoyed it. So be sure to visit his website. That's where you can get the incredible tips, information, and help, particularly if you find yourself in a stuck place. And uh, that's a handbookforlife.com. That's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. No, by virtue of the fact you are listening to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network, that you are on the road to recovery. Have a marvelous week. We'll see you next week, 3 o'clock Pacific, Wednesday. Good day.